It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners. Thanks for being with us. Here with me in the KFT studios, Joshua Gregory, like always, and special guest CPA Ryan Fair. Tax planning is not only one of the six areas of your financial life, it's also a habit that really can save you significant money over your lifetime. So today we welcome back to the Wise Money Show one of our favorite CPAs, Ryan Fair, to review the two main reasons for doing tax planning and what the big tax planning issues are this year. Are you going to take you know, exception to that? One, yeah, of, one of the favorites. One I, of caught the favorites. I caught it. I caught it. Hey, if you have any questions, taxes create a lot of questions. We're going to try and anticipate some of those and tease them out today. But if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us online. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, just search Wise Money Show and connect with the show. You can submit questions that way as well. All right, so it's August. I know what you're thinking. Taxes. I know yes. you are. I know. I know. Ryan's thinking taxes 365 <laughs> right. days out of the yes. year. No one else is, though. I'm, I'm totally kidding. But you should be. You should be, and we'll tell you why today. You know tax planning is one of the six areas of your financial life. That's why we're going to break it down today. Um, so give us a little context, Josh. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a show about financial planning and tax planning is really one of the six core disciplines that we look at when you're building a comprehensive financial plan. It really all begins with your present financial position, though. This is where we help clients analyze the income sources and expenses in the household, as well as their balance sheet, things that they own and things that they owe, all for the purpose of achieving goals. We want to know where you are today relative to your goals. And then we also look at protection planning, which is insurance or or risk management. And the third area is tax planning. This is really something that we're always saying you need to weave throughout the entire financial plan, weave throughout the entire year, right, That's Ryan? Right. That's right. Um, you know, always looking for ways to save money in taxes. And one place that many of you may find some of those tax savings is in the fourth area, which is investment planning, how you structure your investments, how you make transactions or investment decisions can have serious tax ramifications. And it can also determine uh, how well you're able to achieve two of life's biggest goals, retirement and college planning, which has its own area of a financial plan. It's one of the disciplines. And uh, you've heard us say many times that the capstone to any good financial plan is an estate plan, which also has tax ramifications to it as well. So it's wonderful to have Ryan on the show today to help us zero in on taxes, but just understand we're, we're never looking at taxes uh, in, a, in a vacuum by itself. It always has ramifications elsewhere in your life. Couldn't have said it better myself. And, and really tax planning, if you, if you take all the complexity and break it down and make it really simple, 
you really do it for, for two reasons. And we're going to touch on both of those today. The first reason is to avoid surprises. So how do we avoid tax surprises? And what are the tax surprise du jour this year, Ryan? Fancy. Hey, yeah. So every year we, we all know someone that gets a surprise at tax time. So could be good surprise, could be a bad surprise. I like the good surprises. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but that's not always the best financial plan for your cash flow, Mike. But anyways. Ryan shames me Boom. every year, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a little surprised that, oh, I, I got a better refund than I had planned. But I, I like to have some nice margin. And apparently they're getting too large for Ryan's liking. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous, Josh. You, you need to <laughs> adjust your withholding. You need money. more tax planning. That's right. That's yep. right. Okay. So, so how do we identify the, the um, or avoid the surprises, Ryan? Yeah. So, I mean, at the heart of tax planning, what we do is it's a tax projection, and it's basically in the simplest form, it's a mock tax return. So we're we're preparing. Uh, we have software we use to to project out all of the income sources, and we really just compare last year with this year, see what we expect to be the same, what's going to be different, and build a tax return based on our assumptions and, and findings. So, I mean, we we. Basically, gather a bunch of information, talk to talk through the situation with the clients, figure out what's going to be different, what's going to be the same, and then start putting things together. Hey, can you at least give an honorable mention to the financial advisor involved in this process? I, I don't know what you're come, talking come about. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan is trying to take full credit here. That's right. <laughs> so uh, what's the process look like? Is that just, you know, can just anyone take? last year's numbers and assume they're going to be the same this year and look and see if there's a difference? Well, that's one one piece of it. And in the simplest form, yeah, that's that's what you're going for. Um, when we're talking about avoiding surprises, that's, you know, really looking at the changes that have happened in the tax law, um, what is changing in their life or their situation. Uh, there, there's lots, lots of moving parts throughout you know, over a 365-day period of, of stuff that could be different, whether that's employers, whether it's job, whether it's withholdings, whether it's, you know, college kids, there's there's a bunch of bunch of changes. Yeah. So it really, one of the crucial parts of the tax projection, in my opinion, is looking at pay stubs. And if we go into the big surprise that sort of happened last year and I think is still catching people a little bit off guard because I don't think everyone has really understood right. and have made changes, but that has to do with your tax withholdings, right? For sure. Yeah. It, so the tax law last year caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, honestly, I think it even caught the IRS by surprise, and they're the ones that developed the withholding tables. So they've announced for 2020, they're coming out with a whole new W-4 system that is going to help you know, employees estimate better or more accurately their withholdings to help avoid surprises. So yeah. Doesn't help us for 19, but 2020, they're going to change things up. So, so that was kind of a wholesale nationwide change that the right. IRS pushed out to employers. And so whether you made any adjustments in your tax withholdings or not, uh, everyone had less yep. money withheld from their paychecks. But, you know, another uh, circumstance that we often observe with clients is uh, think about the last time you had a job change. Maybe you changed employers. Uh, you might have an employer who's not even located in your state of residence anymore. And it's, it is very common for an out-of-state employer 
to mess up the tax withholdings, especially at the state and local level. And you could go an entire year without ever catching it because, let's be honest, how many people really do analyze their pay stub? Sounds like Josh does not. <laughs> I can <laughs> confirm he doesn't. I'm just kidding. So You're right, but, but that's where I would tell you, you know, one of the big surprises that's been all over, at least we've been talking about it, I know lots of other media sources have been, about the change in withholdings, that's where your tax projection needs to start with the pay stub analysis and you extrapolate out, all right, if I continue to make this amount and save this amount to my pre-tax and I withhold this amount, this is how it's all going to shake uh, shake out. Don't just assume it's going to be the same as the previous year. Right. That's right. So a, another big tax surprise I see a lot of is the child tax credit. For sure. So can you explain that and, and how could this create a surprise, Ryan? So yeah, child tax credit, uh, historically, it's always been a $1,000 child tax credit. Last year, part of the new tax law change, they bumped that up to $2,000 per child, and as long as they're under age 17 and a uh, full-time student and all that you know stuff. And then they added a new $500 tax credit for non-children or non-minors you know minors that- yeah, you know, Other relatives other, yeah, that other are still dependents and everything. Right. Yep. And so it used to be a big problem in years past when you know clients would get ticked. They're like, why is my refund $1,000 less? It's because they their kid turned seventeen during the year. Now it's up to two thousand, and it's it's even a bigger deal. Yeah, so that's that right. could be a fifteen hundred dollars swing, and right. and if it's just eating into your refund, you might say, well, I, I'm buying a, a a smaller big screen TV or or whatever. Right. But I, I feel like this catches a lot of people by surprise when they're used to getting that five hundred dollar refund, and now they owe. Right. Because emotionally, if you are if you just enjoy getting the little refund, and then all of a sudden you owe. This is a big deal. And the simple changes, nothing changed exactly. except your child turned 17. Yeah. You're still buying all their food. You're still do- <laughs> they're still in your household. Nothing changed except they turned 17. Yep. So this one you need to be uh, you need to be aware of. There's a few other tax surprises we want to point out. Again, the tax projection can help you avoid them. And we want to talk about how do you find opportunities and what are the biggest opportunities from a tax standpoint. Uh, that you should be identifying and implementing this year. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you have any tax surprises brewing? Hopefully you don't. Hopefully you've done a tax projection or you're about to with your certified financial planner and your CPA collaborating together until you avoid all surprises. We're talking about that very thing today with CPA Ryan Fair. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory, and then filling in for Kevin today, CPA Ryan Fair. Thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. And once again, if you have any questions, we're going to be getting to a few here shortly. You can reach out to us a few different ways. Post them wherever you're on social media. You can find the Wise Money Show, and you can post your questions there, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Just search the Wise Money Show. You can post a question online. That turns into an email. goes right to me, and we'll put it on an upcoming show, wisemoneyradio.com is how you do that. And then lastly, call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. 
All right, basically you do tax planning for two reasons. Avoid surprises and capture opportunities. We're about to talk about those opportunities, and, and but there's a few more surprises that we see pretty common uh, when we're preparing taxes for people. So Ryan, what's another surprise people need, need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, we talked about the child tax credit. That's a big, you know, it's a big credit that can impact the return Good or bad, if you add a child or if you right. if you lose lose one for uh, turning seventeen, but same same logic goes with the education related credits. So the American Opportunity Tax Credit that's a big deal. So it's a twenty five hundred dollar credit up to twenty five hundred dollars based on uh, having a child attend college. And so, so it could create a good windfall if you have a child that's just starting s- school. More commonly, people get mad when they have a child that graduates and they're no longer yeah, that's, eligible. Yeah, that's the surprise that right. I try to warn clients of at least a year in advance because, you know, it, as you said, the American Opportunity Credit, this college-related tax credit on your federal return, it's a pretty lucrative one. It's $2,500, yeah. which means when it suddenly goes away, that can really swing your tax picture uh, in, a, in a negative way. Yeah, but think about this now, now that there's this uh, dependent yep. credit. So that dependent, if they're in college, 2500 for the American Opportunity Credit and 500, 500. for the, the dependent credit, that's three grand. Let me just say that a little bit differently. When that's gone, you need to increase your withholdings by 250 bucks a month. Yeah, that's a, that is Huge. that is nope. not a rounding error. Right, and so you need to be proactive about that. They're again doing tax planning. Yep. So. Yeah, because we see that. I mean, like you said, clients are either you know used to over the last four years while juniors in college, you know, they're getting a, a bigger refund. You know, by that three thousand dollars. The first year that that stops, that's a that's a wake up call, and it's usually not a good wake up call because that either means they're going to owe, or they already had their tax refund spent, and now they have to readjust. If you own a small business or have a side hustle, and you're not doing tax planning, this show should kick you in the hind area (laughs) and you need to get started because I see tons of surprises when someone owns a small business or had uh, has side business income and they're not prepared for what the tax consequences are going to be for that because that number can fluctuate that profit can fluctuate each year right so so self-employment tax Burns yes. people yeah. and it adds I'm glad up in you're a hurry. Talk about this. So, so yeah, small business or or anybody. If you're starting your own side hustle, that's probably more common that I see surprises. Uh, you know, somebody starts selling something on the side and they end up making twenty grand. They're like, ah, sweet. You know, that's great. I made twenty grand. I'm gonna I'm gonna owe tax on that because it wasn't through payroll. There's no no federal or state withholdings part that they don't know or don't think about has to do with that self-employment tax, which is an extra 15%, 15 15.3% on top of your regular federal, state, and local. This is essentially how you pay into the Social Security and Medicare system uh, as a self-employed individual, right? And and that's something that your employer helps bear the brunt of if you're a W-2 employee working for some, some business somewhere. You know where I see this a lot? 
lot is someone who's on the verge of retirement and will likely do a little consulting because the company doesn't want that wisdom to all of a sudden be gone. And so they say, I understand and I respect your decision to retire. Can you consult with me for six months or 12 months? And I had a great, great friend and client uh, transition away uh, into retirement this summer. And he sent me an email and said, okay, my boss asked me if I'd like to do consulting. How much should my hourly rate be adjusted because of the additional taxes? And I was like, ah, awesome. Tim, great question. That is the right question. And I was able to give him that advice and so that we're on top of it. So any other big surprises that tax, uh, tax planning and a tax projection should avoid? Uh, one that we do see more often than, than I'd like is related to the premium tax credit and all of the, the health insurance stuff that's been going on over the last like, 10 years now. Yeah. It's been a bunch wow. of years. But yeah, that's crazy to say that. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people will, when you sign up for your health insurance through healthcare.gov, you have to estimate what your income is going to be for the upcoming year. Based on that estimate, the government decides how much of your insurance premiums they're going to prepay to the insurance company on your behalf. When we do your actual taxes, we figure out the actual income that you earned for the year. And if it's higher or lower than what you estimated when you signed up, you have to, pre, you have to pay back a bunch of those prepaid premiums, and it, it hurts. Oh, that adds it's, up yeah, quickly, you, too. You can't possibly get that estimate perfect, right? So right. either the government's going to owe you or you're going to owe them. Yep. End of story if you're receiving these premium tax credits. And a lot of people, uh, it's not communicated well to them. Right. This is actually, you know, we've had uh, Ted Foster on the show here, and um, he, he does a great job of educating people, warning them of the tax ramifications of their selection on health insurance. And, and you, unfortunately, see it after it's really too late to change much at the end of the year if people are not being proactive right. with their planning. Yeah, and it's it's often little changes. It's not like they're off by you know $50,000 in their income estimate. If you're off a little bit, it can make a big difference. Or if they, you know, I've seen people get like a special dividend from a, a mutual right, fund or right. a, you know, some unknown capital gain that they weren't planning on, you know, at the beginning of the year when they were signing up for insurance. And yeah. wham, you owe 12 grand on your right, taxes. Right, right. Huge. We, we've, we've seen that. So the point is, you shouldn't have these big surprises. And if you just say, hey, life's pretty simple, it's normal, you know, one day just kind of bleeds into the other, I'm not going to have any surprises. You you really don't know. You need to be doing tax planning every year throughout the year. Now, it shouldn't take a ton of time, but a little bit of time will save you a lot of money over the long term, not just to avoid surprises also to capture opportunities, which is the second big reason you do tax planning. How do we find those opportunities, Ryan? And and if you wouldn't mind, give a little credit to the certified financial planner, if you will. <laughs> Josh right. called you out earlier. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I have to, I'll see if I can fit you guys in okay. my, my spiel here. But uh, so yeah, tax, two different, tax planning is has its similarities with tax preparation, but they are totally separate animals that we're dealing with. Uh, different times of the year, different processes, different known facts versus estimates. Um, when we're meeting to prepare your tax returns in the spring, you know, before April 15th, that is our time to 
hammer tax returns. Our, yeah, I mean, our, our primary job at that point is, you know, doing the returns. Yeah, your hair is you, on fire at that right, time. That's right, right. Yeah, and so that's the time that we are buried up to our eyeballs in tax returns, and we're turning them around as fast and as well as we can. Right. Yeah, you're, we're trying to get an accurate return. It's hard to slow down and think creatively like that. I mean, so it's, anytime you're hustling, it's hard to be creative, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's two separate parts of the brain. It's kind of the the whatever that's called, the... Yeah, you got the analytical versus right, the creative right, right, right. sides of your brain. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. So, so that's where throughout the year is our time to shine and actually think and you know do a lot more of the proactive creative planning stuff and, and i was teasing with you earlier but i know how that happens internally here all of the financial planners here at kfg are experts in taxes as well not to the same level of expertise that ryan is but know enough to see opportunities in general and then work with our cpas here to come up with different tax strategies ryan and i are working on one right now where we're on the fourth and fifth type of scenario to get capital gains and donations just right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk more about different tax opportunities that you should be looking out for. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Have you identified all of the tax opportunities and are you implementing the ones that make sense in your entire financial life that really create synergy in all six areas of your financial life? I hope so, especially if you're working with a certified financial planner who's collaborating with your CPA, you ought to be. That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and CPA Ryan Fair talking about tax planning. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team at Inspired Homes. Thank you very much. If you have questions, we're talking about taxes, so of course you do. You can reach out to us and, and submit them to us uh, in a few different ways. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you would submit those online. Call or text 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, but I'd point out the YouTube channel, you can just go ahead and submit a comment right there. That's a question, and we'll answer it quickly and then air it on an upcoming program as well. So, all right, Ryan, we're talking about tax opportunities. That's the second real purpose of doing tax planning is to find opportunities and then working with your CPA and your certified financial planner implement those opportunities that fit within your entire financial life so that you pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. All right. So you're going to do tax projections. That's the same process. But then there's a lot of creative problem solving, not just a tax projection to say, all right, everything's the same. What will happen? You're actually looking for what things can I tweak to make things better? What sorts of things might that be? Yeah, I mean, the the first place to look at is related to certain deductions that you have. So a lot of those uh, deductions are in the form of retirement plan contributions or health savings account contributions. We can do proactive planning and see what the best vehicle for you to be saving in is for the year. So, you know, if you're in certain tax brackets, maybe it makes sense to 
you know, switch your retirement contributions to a Roth contribution instead of a, a you know, traditional uh, 401k type Mm-hmm. You know, pre-tax account. So we can look at those scenarios and kind of optimize for your for the long run. Again, that's we're looking in the future on these. I'm so glad you're bringing that one up because that's a question that we often get from new folks coming in. In fact, uh, just earlier this week, I had someone come in um, who uh, retirement is kind of their presenting story problem that they want help getting ready for. But they they posed an interesting question. They said, should we use a Roth IRA or should I save more into my 401k at work? And you know, I, I said, what a what a fantastic question. I explained that this is a really a tax question. The answer, as you just said, depends upon what tax bracket they may be in today versus the one we think they'll be in down the road in retirement. And she confessed to me, you know, we haven't used a Roth IRA because a few years ago I asked my tax preparer, should we do it? And I, I want to see your reactions to this, but the tax preparer said uh, that this uh, woman is 54 years old, and he said, no, you're too old. You wouldn't really get a benefit out of it. <laughs> and I, I was just flabbergasted. So, something every 54-year-old woman wants to hear. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's the way I start um, most of my appointments. <laughs> what? What in the world? So, good point. Uh, You don't tell a lady that she's too old for anything, I I would imagine. But uh, the claim that you should choose a Roth IRA based on your age is... Uh, way too simplistic. We often right. do say on the show that for younger people, the younger you are, the more powerful a Roth IRA can be. But this particular gal is never going to be younger than 54 for the rest of her life, right? <laughs> she has her whole life ahead of her, decades that the money could be positioned in a tax-free environment. The longer it stays invested, the better. And he had actually at the age of 52 told her, nah, you don't, you don't really need one of those. But thankfully, she recognized, okay, maybe that wasn't the right answer. I'm going to get a second opinion. And that's what we were talking about. And for the record, I didn't do that tax return. It was not. <laughs> it was not Ryan Fair. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's a shame. You know, it, you know, I, we're, we're teasing about it again, and I, I jumped onto that. But that's a shame, and, and so I, I would, I, I hope that you're aware of where you're getting your your advice from, and. Um, all right. Well, even just real quick before we move on, there's even a bunch of estate planning related things there in that in that right. client's situation where, you know, how the kids inherit the money if that day comes is completely different if it's at a 401k okay, or a Roth. Be honest. Have you sat your parents down and explained to them the difference between leaving behind a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA? Oh, you bet you. I, I, I bet yeah. that's what you talk about over Sunday dinner after church. Week huh? after week but after week. <laughs> this, this emphasizes the point. You need to get your advice from your certified financial planner and you need to make sure they're doing comprehensive financial planning, working with the other professionals, financial professionals in your life. That would never happen if you had a, a, a CFP doing comprehensive financial planning and yeah. working with your tax preparer. All right. A couple other big opportunities. Roth conversions. I've got some folks right now on the cusp of retirement or actually in retirement have saved up a decent amount in cash. So really, they're going to just live off of their cash for a while. You could A, enjoy some tax-free years. Or you could B, convert a bunch of money, 
willingly pay some tax now at today's rates and then let that money grow tax-free forever, avoiding tax in the future. And I have had several people this year look at that and say, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go all the way up to the 24% tax bracket hmm. with Roth conversions. That, so. That's great. And you have to be forward-thinking to even catch that idea, right? Yeah. right? Because uh, many people, the thought of paying taxes earlier than anyone says you have to sounds like crazy talk, right? Yeah. Why not take advantage of these tax-free years, as you were saying, when uh, the, the reality is if you prepay them now, you may get a smaller tax bite today than what it would be in the future. What about gifting and itemizing and that sort of thing? What about the proactive kind of uh, opportunities available there? Yeah, that's a whole whole new area of tax planning that really hasn't been stressed in the past. Because, and the reason is because of the new tax law that started last year, um, doubled the standard deduction for a married couple and and individuals. So, married couple went from. $12,700 standard deduction all the way up to 24000 So there, it's estimated that only about 10% of people are even going to itemize their deductions now under the new law. And so you can be more strategic with your charitable giving to, you know, bunch stuff up in one year or the next. You know, if you're going to give $10,000 a year for charitable contributions, for example, or, I mean, really any number, um, instead of giving two different years, given $10,000 each year, lump them together. Find a way to right. get 20 in one year. Right. Where you could still get some tax benefit where if you just, not just gave 10, but uh, relative, if you gave 10, you wouldn't get a tax deduction. You know, one, one of the objections that some people have to that is, well, you know, if I give $10,000 a year to my church and suddenly I come to a year where I give them 20 and then nothing the next year, won't that mess up the church's budget? Won't that, you know, ruin things for them? And there are some ways around this, though, that you can still get the tax savings that you were just describing, bunching up while the church is not messed up from a cash flow. And I'm talking about a tool called a charitable, uh, um, wow, donor, a donor advice fund. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. I almost said charitable uh, remainder, remainder trust. trust yeah. um, similar, similar tools there. But it's basically a way for you to set money aside and then kind of grant it out, dole it out to the charity of your choice at the timing of your choice as well. We're going to actually devote an entire show to donor advice funds just because they're, they're, they need to be growing in popularity. I think they are, but you got to understand it. We, I received an email recently from a fan of the show over um, on the East Coast saying, you guys ought to do a full show on donor advised funds. I, I, I think we will. Donor advised fund is, is one. Bunching contributions, another. Um, maybe even being um, strategic about prepaying some of your state taxes if it's a big income year, something like that, or capital gains, something like that. The other um, tax planning opportunity related to capital gains could be harvesting gains when you're in the 0% capital gains rate. We see that a lot mm -hmm. for folks in retirement where they're not paying a lot of tax, but they've got this stock that they probably need to do something with. Um, or when the season comes about capturing losses, if you have any in, in some non-tax sheltered accounts. So um, lots of tax planning 
opportunities out there. And again, identifying those is one thing. Implementing the right ones, going back to Josh's story, is a whole nother thing. So hopefully you're working with your certified financial planner and CPA on that. We've got more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Do you have the right tax planning strategy that you're implementing for 2019? I hope so. That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios, CPA Ryan Fair and Certified Financial Planner Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything, there's a few different ways to catch up on previous episodes. First, podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Wise Money Show. And I'd encourage you to rate the show, subscribe to it, and that way you'll get all future shows, updates just sent right to wherever you listen to your podcast. Second way to catch up on this episode and previous episodes as well is on the YouTube channel. Every episode, we when we start recording for the radio, we just press record on the video camera. Every episode is fully recorded. You can catch up on everything, even bonus content right there in the break. I'd encourage you also to, uh, to subscribe there and hit the bell for notifications so you're notified of any other videos, educational content that we post onto the channel. Lastly, wisemoneyradio.com. Every episode's right there. You can even submit a question right there on the right, which is exactly what Kelly did and Patricia. We're getting to their questions right now. Kelly sent in, can my ex-spouse take some of my Social Security when he is retirement age? He's 13 years older than me. Great question. Mm-hmm. That is a great question. I don't, I don't want to read into it too much here, but... Um... The, the way that it was phrased, can my ex-spouse take some of my Social Security? Almost like uh, you won't get all of it, they'll get part of it. I actually think I think that is her question. Is that what she's meaning? I think so. Uh, so let's just clarify that for a moment because it's actually a pretty common misconception among anybody who's drawing Social Security when you're married because we often say uh, when you get to retirement age, you're ready to start drawing Social Security, you often have two options on what you can draw. You can either draw the Social Security benefit that you have built up and earned based on your earning history. This is what is awarded to you. Or you can draw up to half of your spouse's benefit. Mm -hmm. But the way we say that, it almost sounds as if you're confiscating from them half of their benefit. And that is not how it works your spouse would still get their full benefit. You just get an additional 50% on top of that. That's right. Okay. So if that puts your mind at ease, Kelly, great. But let's talk a little bit further because there are some who maybe having understood that whole issue, uh, can your former spouse draw against your social security, not taking from you, but can they get some sort of a benefit because of your years of marriage? And the answer is maybe. If uh, if you were married for at least 10 years, 
to someone and that marriage ended, uh, you may be able to still be eligible for a Social Security benefit against their earning history, essentially. If you haven't remarried, right? Exactly. If, if you remarry, then that um, stops that opportunity. That's right. The soonest that you can draw this is at age 62. You have to be single and not having you know, started a new marriage. Um, under that new marriage, we go back to the traditional rules of uh, could you maybe draw against your new spouse's uh, benefit there. But, uh, you know, this is it's just another example of how complicated actually the Social Security laws are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's something that you really want to have your mind wrapped around long before you get to retirement because this could be a very valuable benefit to you. I've often felt, though, that it's a difficult one to plan for because you don't necessarily know what your spouse's earning history became after you were right. divorced, right? right? But you, you can still maybe get some ballpark numbers uh, working through Social Security's office. So we've got CPA Ryan Fair here within the here with us in the studio. And this question from Kelly that she emailed in using uh, wisemoneyradio.com mentioned Social Security. So, Ryan, one of the things I find a lot of people are surprised about is whether Social Security is taxed or not. And if it is, how much? Yes, we talked about how confusing Social Security administration and benefits are. It's like or similarly complicated on the IRS side of how Social Security is taxed. So a lot of people, especially retired people, you sit around and talk to each other about finances and everything else. And one person may tell their neighbor, hey, I don't even pay tax on my Social Security. It's, it's or, not taxable. Or that, yeah, they might say, it's therefore, it's not taxable. Yeah, tax-free, right. Tax-free Social Security. And then they come in and have their taxes done and give us their Social Security form and end up owing. And I say, well, it's because you got this extra 20 grand of social security income. The conversation usually goes, well, you know, my aunt told me it wasn't taxable. You must be doing something wrong. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so, nice. so it's a sliding scale based on how much other income you have in retirement that determines if and how much of your social security income is taxable. So it's, it's true. If you are lower income and primarily living on social security, it could be totally tax-free, zero dollars taxable to federal, and it's always tax-free to the state of Indiana, at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but the sliding scale goes up. So if you have, if one of your spouses is still working in retirement, or if there's a bunch of investment Pen- income, yeah. pension, pension uh, you know, IRA, IRA distributions, yeah. If there's a bunch of other, or not even a bunch, if there's some other uh, income that the household's living on, that Social Security is likely taxed, and up to 85% of it is taxable, not tax rate of 85%. <laughs> right. but, they don't confiscate 85% from right, you. Right. But if you receive $10,000, 8500 of it could be subject to income tax. So what I heard you say is not everyone... Um, pays tax on their Social Security. Some Correct. people can get it tax-free if Correct. their other sources of income are low enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, no one pays tax on all of it. Yep. A- at least Correct. 15% of that Social Security actually will be tax-free to you. But the fact that there is this sliding scale, it creates a potential tax trap, right? Absolutely. Because 
no two years may look the same for you in, in retirement because all these other sources of income, you, you might pull more money out of an IRA one particular year, or you may uh, sell some property or something and suddenly push yourself further up that sliding scale that you were talking about, Ryan. Right. And suddenly uh, Social Security is now taxable for you where it maybe wasn't in the past. Which again, that is why we do tax projections. You can pencil, you know, draw it on the back of, back of a napkin and say, ah, oh, you know, I'm getting the Social Security, uh, or, or, you know, not even take that into consideration if it was tax-free last year and say, oh, maybe I'm going to cash out. You know, I've got all this stock that has capital gain. Let's take an extra, you know, 30 grand of capital gains this year, and I'll still be in the 0% tax bracket because that's, you know, not taxable, not taking into consideration that yeah. that's creating a you know, all of your social security to become taxable now. It's a double-edged sword. You know what? If you're listening today and you're thinking, man, I'm getting close to retirement. I just can't wait until my taxes are so simple (laughs) in retirement. Do not be deceived, right? Your tax picture will be way more complicated if for no other reason, just because social security is now part of your life. Yeah. Once again, you, you need planning. You need to be working with a certified financial planner who's collaborating with your CPA to do tax projections and tax planning. Patricia emailed in another question. Ryan, we're letting you off the hook. It has nothing to do with taxes here. And uh, But she said, what are the three bank accounts to have for present and future goals? Uh, let me try to clarify, Patricia. We talk about the three bank account system quite often as um, as a way to structure your budget and carry out your spending plan a way to both manage short-term kind of monthly expenses and known upcoming expenses that don't happen every month and then save for emergencies. Those are the three bank accounts. So your checking account, which is the immediate spending, it's to cover income that's coming in every month and then bills that come up every month. But then the second account is delayed spending. It's a savings account for most people where you're setting money aside each and every month for non-monthly expenses. So my favorite one, Disney. My least favorite one, taxes or insurance payments. Things that don't come up every single month. You want When they do come up, you want to have the money available for them. Christmas, not too early to be thinking about that. That's around the corner, that, that shopping. And then the third bank account is usually a money market or something that's going to earn a little bit more interest. And that's where you're setting money aside for emergencies that could come up. So which which of those three bank accounts are all these surgeries coming out of? Oh, I swell. Health H- savings account. Health savings account, right. which yeah. is a form of delayed spending. Yep. We, I know I'm going to hit my deductible at some point. Don't know when. Turns out I've hit it multiple times over this year. (laughs) So rough year. Great questions, Kelly and Patricia. Thanks for sending those in. All right. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Ryan Fair, thanks for being with us again, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Josh, Gregory, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.